We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 139, and this full opinion brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, and after the events of yesterday, I needed a friend, so I called up my old compatriot, Frances Tomas, for today's show. Frances, I usually ask how you're doing, but I think everyone knows how both of us are doing, so I'll just ask, are you ready for this? Absolutely ready, man. Um, I think that, obviously, thank you to everyone that has kept the ball going, Dan, you first, and all the listeners. Um, I think that we need to talk. So, yeah, just shoot, man. I, I don't know what to say. Yeah, we're going to pretty much try to answer where do Barcelona go from here. But uh, as all of our listeners know, the future holds a lot of content. There's a lot of questions to be answered specifically. And obviously, we have a whole summer to fill uh, to ask a lot of those questions. So uh, this is more even a referendum of yesterday. And with a few things looking forward, because I, again, want to ask Frances specifically what he thinks about a lot of these different things. So let's start off with a question from Roman. Again, these are all basically from the closed Facebook group. We might have one or two from email where we received them as well. But this one starts with a question from a closed Facebook group on tbpod.link backslash group. Answer the three questions. You get into the group, and then you get to ask these questions when we prompt you. So without further ado, from Roman, having a hard time finding positives on this loss, even though this time around we lost to a better team this year compared to Roma last year. What does this loss say about the mental state of the players versus coaching preparations? Who should take more of the blame, the players or the coach and his staff? Well, I think it's shared, isn't it? I mean, I, I was—I never really go into social media anymore because it just depresses me, really. But um, after the, it was after midnight here in Doha, and I had no one to talk to. Everyone else had already gone to sleep, so I just went into Facebook. I went into different social media outlets, and. Uh, the thing is, everyone seems to be blaming the coach. And, you know, don't get me wrong, the coach was terrible. Um, in the first leg, of course, we won 3-0. And Messi sort of made up for a game from us that wasn't incredible. Um, he repeated the lineup, which I thought was a little bit weird. I thought that he was going to go for a little bit more control in midfield. I thought Arthur should, should have started. But, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, he's just there. I thought Sergio Roberto um, was the... Starting Sergio Roberto was the opposite of what he should have done in defense, which is starting Nelson Nelson Semedo. And then up front, you know, Coutinho seems to have been the solution. Um, at this point, with Dembele injured, I think he was the only option to start. I mean, 
Malcolm doesn't have the confidence of the coach, and that's fairly clear. Um, I think Barbera had to be consistent with his own self. So it's not a very strong 11. Um, I think it should have been a strong 11 based on the mental health, mental, the mental state, based on the fact that they just won the league. And that should have been enough to take the game forward, especially with a 3-0 advantage. But I think that everything did fall apart. I mean, the manager's preparation um, beyond the lineup, I don't think was there. Um, I have never seen, and I don't think we'd ever watch um, a team coached by someone like, say, Klopp fall at, at that horrendous rate. Um, the, the players didn't seem to want to be there. Um, there were so many misplaced, uh, misplaced passes. There were so many players playing far below their own standards. It's very easy to blame Messi for everything, but you know I think Messi was pretty much invisible, despite the fact that him and Arturo Vidal, I thought, were the best two players from Barca, the only ones that really seemed to be a little bit switched on. Suarez looked like he was doing his whole crowd a favour by not really doing much. Coutinho, we made fan of Arbeloa, and we call him the cone when he played for Real Madrid and even Spain, but I think Coutinho was as effective as one of the chairs in the stands. Um, then in midfield, Busquets couldn't control the game. I think that he's had an okay season, but by his own standards, very poor. Rakitic didn't show up. Um, that, To be honest, that did surprise me because I think he's been one of the best players throughout the season. And I know he gets a lot of criticism, but, you know, after yesterday, it's unjustified. But I think Rakitic, I was expecting him to do better. Piquet was the only one that was looking at the ball in the fourth goal from the corner. Um, and he was the only one that could have done something about it, but he got there too late. Everyone else was just you know, thinking about their own holidays or the bank statements. I don't really know what happened there. Um, Jordi Alba was awful. Um, I've been watching pretty much his whole career, even when he played at Barca um, in La Masia, in the youth. And you know, he then moved on to Cornellà and then to Valencia. I've followed his career for pretty much 15, 20 years now. And yes, there was the worst I've ever seen. I mean, if you analyze the goals, probably two, if not three of the goals come from his side or from a mistake coming from himself. So Jordi Alba must be kicking himself and rightly so. Um, Sergio Roberto just didn't cut it defensively or offensively and had a terrible game. And Ter Stegen wasn't as secure, safe and you know proactive as he has been throughout the season. I think he's his game in terms of with the ball and his feet was decent but um, one of the goals I think he could have done better but you know he was exposed by his own defence saying all that I think a manager should have motivated everyone better should have prepared the game to a much sort of deeper standard in order to make sure that we didn't embarrass our club our fans our history and make a make a mockery of what we stand as we stand for as a club um, as I said in the group last night it was embarrassing it was shameful and you know, there's been 24 hours or so since the game finished. I honestly think that was that this is today the most embarrassed I have ever felt um, since the mid-1990s defeat 4-0 against Milan in the Copa in the European Cup final. But it was so embarrassing. Like people were talking to me today, and I pretty much ignored everybody mm-hmm. um, before going to bed last night. I felt like someone had punched me in the face. This morning, waking up, I had a headache. I was grumpy all day. And the word is embarrassment. That's what it was. It was total fiasco, total disaster. And it's unforgivable, really. Those players should do better. And that manager should prepare those players so they do better as well. Yeah, there is a lot of what-if streets and roads you go down. Uh, For me, I I was considering, you know, I'd seen that 
what if Dembele hadn't missed that opportunity in the first leg and Barcelona would have taken a 4 nothing in? You get the feeling that it might have been the same result because Liverpool wanted it more. And even if they had had one more goal to, to go or two more goals to go, uh, even in the 77th minute when they scored that fourth goal, they still had so much belief. And that's, yes, when Barcelona woke up, but that's only because they had their backs completely against the wall. Uh, and, you know, I, I was also considering, as we talked about control, that people are, are judging and, and frustrated with Valverde because of how conservative he was, because he went with Vidal in that instance, as we mentioned, who was probably Barcelona's best player. He went with him instead of Artur. But in that same regard, you know, I, I, I think that in that kind of situation, instead of going with the same starting 11, Valverde probably would have been smarter to go with the thing that he is employed at certain times, and that is that 4-4-2, where he goes with uh, Semedo at the back, and then, you know, it probably meant Roberto was on the bench, but then he went with a, a four of Rakitic, Busquets, Artur, and Vidal. And, you know, as, as crazy as that sounds with Coutinho on the bench, and I know it was Coutinho getting back to Anfield, but I don't think there's any reason why he would have started that match. And I think a 4-4-2 just would have given them just a, a better shape and more time. And it wasn't even so much that the first half was what the problem was. I, I think why, you know, as much as I want to put a lot of the blame on the players not being up for it, and certainly you can do that. But when 11 of these terrific, great players fall flat in that way, and then in the same regard, when Wijnaldum came on, and not only did he get the two goals, but he made such a difference in that match. And Valverde, in the same way that I, I think in that first leg, Klopp never responded properly to the Nelson Semedo goal. I mean, sorry, Nelson Semedo subbing on, and then Barcelona rattled off two goals. In the same respect... Valverde did not react to the Wijnaldum substitution when Robertson came out and the formation was a little bit different. He had Milner then at left back and with Valverde not responding to that in any way and just allowing Liverpool to take the game through the new additions, uh, it was a little bit too late for Barcelona. And, you know, I completely agree with you 100%. I mean, I tweeted it out that for, for even selfish reasons that, you know, I dedicate so much as people know there's so much time that goes into this pod and and Barca blog and the Barcelona podcast and everything and then there's this there's this almost numb feeling you know after last year when you know we peel back the curtain a little bit we lost listeners just a lot of negativity you check my dms they're not a very nice place to go at the moment and you know I, I think when you dedicate so much time to something and then you almost have to go numb to it but for me, you know, as we've said, we're going to keep plugging on here on the show. And I think as positive as I try to always make it, Francis, I mean, you know me, I always try to be positive. I always try to find the good things and everything. Uh, but for a result like this, there's there's nothing positive to find because, I, and I think we're going to answer a question about this now, that the clock on Messi is what makes this so painful. You know what I mean? I think if Messi wasn't in the squad, people can call back for the club to return to its roots, not so much just going for the, the Champions League every year, but expectations were a little bit, uh, would be a little bit more tempered. But with Messi, the only option is a treble or else we're all broken and we're all failing. You know, and I, I think if, you know, if he was not, or when he in the future will not be in the picture, then I, I think things are going to have to be completely reset when that time comes. And this season would be seen as a success. But instead it's, you know, it's, it's just complete and utter failure because... In, because Barcelona choked away the lead they had. If it was reversed and Liverpool was up 3 nothing, uh at Anfield in the first leg and Barcelona still fell 3-2, to two, it wouldn't have been a failure at all. 
But yet, because they were up, because they were in the driver's seat in the way that they were, and I think you gave you picked out the word perfectly. Embarrassing is is what we have to what we have to recognize. Um, so let let's ask another question though here, coming from Hassa. How much has Barcelona lost its identity, and how damaging is it for our success? Well, there has been a lot of loss of identity. It hasn't been an um, overnight thing. It has been pretty much since Valverde started, really. I mean, Luis Enrique um, had a different idea from the Cruyff, and you know, the, the idea that then got developed by Cruyff. But um, it was still attacking, and you know, one, during the Luis Enrique tenure, the, there was a huge emphasis, a huge trust, and a huge dependence on not just Messi, but also Neymar and Suarez. Now, fast forward two, three years, and we've got a coach which is much more pragmatic, much more defensive even, far less exciting, um, but in a, in a way, until yesterday, much more solid. Um, so just put everything in the balance. I mean, I don't think, you know, with me it's different because I was born in Barcelona and that's my club. You know, if I had born in Gijón, I would be supporting Sporting. You know, if I had been born in Oviedo, I would be supporting Real Oviedo. But I happen to be born in Barcelona, so for me it's different. But I think the vast majority of people around the world certainly are very dedicated listeners here. They follow Barca because of the heart of the club, because of the soul, because of the because of what it means, because of the attractive football, because of what Michels and Cruyff and Guardiola and you know Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, Romario, because of all of those players that those beautiful attacking-minded stars have brought to the club and we don't have that you know we've got a team that has been built to be solid and then we've got Messi making the difference you know um, if you if you want to go a little bit deeper the one that really adds sparkle to the current team is in a way Jordi Alba who was horrendous yesterday um, and then Dembélé you know Dembélé is magic Dembélé is electric Dembélé is the one that can uh, turn a game upside down He's the one that can run at defenders, but he's injured half the time, you know, and that's in a way unfortunate. But if you take that away, there isn't much magic in there at all, you know. Um, I happened to be watching last week. It was the match away at Celta de Vigo, and you have Ricky Puig and Alanya. The game was lost, but, you know, to be honest, it doesn't matter. But Alanya and Ricky Puig, there was some hints, there were some elements of greatness in there, you know. It was like a seed that is beginning to grow, and, and we need to enable these players to grow and be, be the future, you know, because that's how Busquets started. That's how Iniesta started. That's how Xavi himself started. I mean, a couple of days back, being here in Doha, and obviously, unfortunately, Xavi is retired very soon. I went to watch him a couple of nights back, and the guy is still a machine. You know, the level is much lower from, um, you know, it was the Asian Champions League, but the guy is still ruling everything. He's running up and down. He's passing. He's distributing. He's the boss. You know, we need the next Chubby. We need the next generation of attacking football. We need the next generation that is going to hook up all of these fans that have come from all over the world, which makes us proud. But they want to support a team that, in a way, aligns with the club's ideals. And at this moment in time, Valverde's Barca just does not do it. I mean, you also then need to analyze, Okay, is it good enough to win La Liga? I would say normally throughout the, you know, 120 years of history of the club, yes, winning La Liga in a season is good enough. You know, if you can sprinkle it with a Copa del Rey, brilliant. We've got five Champions League in 120 years. It doesn't happen very often, all right? So over the history of the club, just winning La Liga is great. It's fantastic. However, we're talking about Messi's peak here. And Messi over the last four or five years has won nothing. 
you know, the last Champions League was with, um, with Luis Enrique. I'm talking about European level, obviously. And that's quite simply just not good enough. You know, we will, in two, three years' time, he'll retire. He will most likely go back to Argentina and do what he always wanted to do. And then you look back at his CV, you look back at his achievements, and the last five, six years, hopefully not six, but just five, would have been wasted. And that is time that we are never going to get back. And he simply is not good enough to look for excuses. You know, he himself should have been better, but the surrounding crowd again, uh, around him just were playing against him. And that's just not acceptable. So that leads us to should Valverde continue? In the grander scheme of things, yes, Valverde should continue because he has taken La Liga back to the Camp Nou Museum in every one of his seasons. But in the larger scheme of things, no, he should absolutely be replaced by someone who is more attacking-minded, someone that aligns better with the history and the know-how and what the fans want so that we can have a different challenge in Europe because this guy clearly cannot motivate his players to perform at an acceptable, decent level even when they've got such a great advantage. So put everything in the balance. You know, the, the first time you mess it up is your fault. The second time you mess up and fall at the same hurdle, you need to look in the mirror and, and be accountable, really. Yeah, I, I think that's what I said yesterday. Whether or not I would say Valverde is out, I think my opinion to it is that I don't see how he continues in the way that this happened. Uh, and I know that even if he wins the Copa del Rey again this year, that it's two times a domestic double. Of course, that's a, that's a great achievement here. And my other frustration was that all these other outside media and even Spanish media were, were saying that the truth that might be point the, the the point that might be true is that Barcelona so easily got to the Liga title and they were so so very rarely tested this season in the Liga or I mean even in the Champions League that you know this Liverpool team was one that I mean this is the hardest game they played all season by a large margin and they you know simply and surely weren't weren't up to it and so with Valverde's future I don't know how he continues because of the expectations, because of the narrative, I think that's what pushes him out. I, I think the players are still, you know, they, they still love him. But then we bring up the question of, but which players will be here next season to return? And I think it's reactive to say that one result is going to change a squad and one result means you, you kind of strip things from the, from the, down, from the ground up. Uh, and, you know, going back to this original question of, you know, have Barcelona lost its identity? I think the, I, the concept now of, trying to return to that identity, if you will. And, you know, I think the belief is that with the players in the squad that you have, this is a team that's still going to be talented enough, we'll say, playing the Barcelona way, a way that we've kind of denounced that Valverde cannot play. But if they go back to playing the Barcelona way, I think it's still possible they win the Liga. I think they still would uh, be good enough to, to fight for the Copa del Rey. Uh, and then the Champions League would be, you know, what have you. You'd hope that it, it, I, I guess that the point is that if Valverde's way wasn't good enough to win a Champions League final, then maybe another way will be. So going back to Barcelona's roots, exactly the way that the fans want to play, if you don't win a trophy that way, well, then you kind of got what you want and you didn't win a trophy as opposed to the fans feeling like they didn't get what they want and they didn't win a trophy. So uh, to me, again, it's not that I don't think Valverde is good enough to manage Barcelona because surely if you lose, what is a total of 11 games and this season, he only lost. This is now his fourth loss of the season which is just an incredible record to have uh, at the Camp Nou. But 
you know, for all the, the positive that he's done, again, I don't see a way forward for him. And people are saying that the board who, and this is a funny thing, when things aren't going well for the club, when they're having bad summers, when Neymar leaves, we're asking for Bartomeu out. But then when things are well, we kind of don't think about it. But now you're at a point where you're going to head into an offseason when all the attention is on the board, is on Valverde, uh, is on a, a lot of these older players, and whether or not some of them are going to be remaining with the club or out. I, I, I don't know if it's going to be, how do I say this? For the fans, I don't think it's going to be the complete you know, reckoning that you think it's going to be. I think next season's club will look a lot like this one because as we keep mentioning, as much as you want to throw in Puj and throw in Alenia for more minutes and and, and bring in uh, other players or Todibo for how good he's looked, push him forward in the same respect, you're still in the Messi era. You're still on Messi's timetable. So you look ahead to when he's gone, but he's still going to be here for the next few seasons. So next season squad, I think, is going to be a lot of the same thing that you expect. And Valverde might be the really the only difference here. But I think for the rest of this season as well, I want to make a point of saying that um, I know people don't care about the Copa del Rey, but you still want to win every trophy you can. And I think I, you know, as negative as it might be sounding coming from me, I would be happy with a Copa del Rey, not in replacing replacing a, a Champions League. Like we do this podcast and we talk about one in the Champions League. Messi talked about it at the Gampere ceremony. He wanted it more than anything else. We all wanted it more than anything else. And that was taken away from us. But uh, for how many other clubs in the world? I mean, almost every other club, if you win your domestic cup, that's something to uh, to, to be excited about. I, I mean, I look at I, I sometimes uh, the club that I follow in the Premier League or the English system. Uh, well, I know they're in Wales, but I, I, I said that I, I do tend to, you know, view Cardiff City results. And Cardiff City won a trophy in 1928. They won the FA Cup, and that was that. That's it. That's the one they go back to. That's the one they have banners still about. That's the one they care about. And so for so many, and they're, and they're a major global brand even. They're the biggest club in Wales. I mean, or we're Swansea City, but we're off the beaten path. My point is that, you know, for so many other clubs, just winning the Copa del Rey would be the biggest thing, the most exciting thing in their club's history. Um, and I think it's naive of us to say that we, we can pout because, you know, we didn't get the Champions League. I think we'd be sad. It's frustrating. But in the same respect, the Femini are also in the Champions League final. So there are still things to watch for the rest of this season. We can be sad about the Champions League result. It was a uh, We can call the season a failure because I think that's what it feels like it is. And it's frustrating to say I think that's what it might be because Barcelona and Messi in particular did not get the trophy that he set out and they said that they wanted to get all season long so that kind of does make it a failure regardless of what trophies you get but again a Copa del Rey was still something to celebrate the the feminine the Champions League final was still a Barcelona thing to celebrate uh but for as far as for, for Valverde Frances I mean who are the guys to potentially replace him well it would probably be the Ajax ma- manager uh Ten Hag at this moment um I don't think you know, and that could be exciting. That could be a way in, but I don't think there's anyone there that could do a good job right now. I mean, Xavi is going into yeah. coaching, but yeah. then again, he's it would be a risk because you know he was playing here in Qatar um, two, three days ago, and and he hasn't retired yet. I mean, Guardiola, when he started in the first team, at least had a season under his belt at Barca B, and that helped him identify players such as Pedro or Busquets that then eventually were promoted and made a difference. Um, I don't think there's anyone that really stands out and that's probably the problem um that's probably why there's going to be another season of Valverde because no one is just just ready just yet um picking up with some of the points you made I mean Copa del Rey I think is essential to win it um otherwise the season which is currently not very good could be classed as an absolute disaster you know and that's even with the Liga 
being won. Um, as you say, it's not the biggest trophy of the season, but it is the last one. And in the social media era, people's memories are short. So I think if you end up the season with the Copa del Rey, uh, domestic double is still good um, to, to evaluate the whole season. Obviously, it's not what Messi wanted. It's not what any of us wanted. But, you know, you cannot always have the treble. Um, having said that, with a 3-0 advantage in the semifinals, you definitely expect the fi- to make the final at least. Um, you mentioned the Femini. And I know that the, 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 the women's game has really developed. But to be honest, no one really in, in Spain, in Barcelona, actually cares that much. Um, I know we've had Femini players um, in the pod before. But, um, you know, you can win the basketball Champions League, you can win the handball one, you can be the athletics champion of the world for Barca, you know, it doesn't matter, it doesn't make a difference. The Champions League is what our fan club would really want it and, and, that, and that's, that's going to be stuck in the memory. Like, say you think back at last year, it's the debacle in Roma and this year it's going to be the same. So at least, right, you know, right. you, you win the two trophies domestically, at least you're going to go that. Um, you mentioned about the, the coach the players want. Um, I don't care the coach that the players actually want. I think what really matters is that the coach knows what he wants and that aligns with the vision of the club and that has the support of the board. Whether the board is right or wrong, I don't think it's for us to get into today. Um, That is what the sources have voted. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have the right to vote, that have very clear opinions. But ultimately, Barca is a democracy and it's based on the sources and what the sources want. And that's the system. And those are the people that need to choose. As long as the board can choose someone who is aligned with the vision, then we just have to, we can complain all we want, but we just have to accept it. And, you know, the fans are right to be disappointed. But in this social media era that everyone wants everything so immediate, I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't know if people, the same people that are criticizing about the today, will have the patience of a season going, say, second, third, or even fourth, while you grow... Um, Alanya, Pooch, and any of the youngsters that we could get from Ajax or even our, our own ranks. I don't think the patience is there. And, and, you know, in a way, the fan race has been spoiled with so much success that it seems to be awesome for some people. Uh, it will be a roll and no return. I read some comments last night saying, I'm not going to support the club until Valverde leaves. Well, mate, if you can't support the club, open the door and leave, man, because we don't really need you. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to stand together uh, with times are easy. Everyone's very happy to, to celebrate. You know, everyone can wear the Barca tops after Messi scores from 47 yards in the Champions League semi-finals. Everyone's very happy. But if you cannot wear your colours the day, today, the day after such a disaster, then you don't deserve to be a fan and you should just go. Um, I went to school today. Oh, I've got a Barca tie. I went to school and I wore it today. I had 1,300 students in my school. Uh, the vast majority of them were sympathetic because they, funnily enough, here in the Middle East, they support Barca, uh, loads of them. But I had some kids trying to make fun of me, showing me four fingers and things like that. And you need to take it in the chin because if we had won, I would have won the same tie to school. And, you know, you have to support your club when they're winning, but you definitely have to support when they're not. So you can be unhappy, but your colour should not change. What you are inside, if you really feel football, if you really understand what football is, then you can be shape-shifting, you know, like the in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors, how many people are going to be supporting another team when it starts losing? And yeah. that, that's not the fans we want. So if you can support today or you cannot be, you know, loving your club today, then you should leave. 
Yeah, and I I do think, again, looking ahead to next season as well, you know, we already have Frankie DeYoung coming in. They're heavily linked to the Licht. uh, And and I think those are two players that, you know, they're going to be playing in the the semifinal in in just a few minutes as we record this. So uh, by the time this comes out, we'll know if Tottenham or Ajax is in the final. But whether they're in the semifinal or the final of Champions League, uh, these are two guys that are ready for the bright lights. Uh, Again, the Licht. He could go anywhere else, but uh, it seems like Barcelona the favorites. But De Jong is definitely coming to the club. So for a guy like that, he's definitely ready for the bright lights. He's definitely ready to come right in. But as I said, there, there could be an expectation that this club continues to be uh, very similar in look in the way that it is. You can't just... I, I think the one way that things get really flipped on its head, and we talked about the potential guys that come in. Now, the names we talked about all season long are Kiki Setien, but with what's happened at Real Batiste this year, while they still are going to be a top eight finish... It, it seems like Setien uh, would, how do I say this? Uh, it seems that Setien would have or has given indications that he would have trouble getting important results for a major, major club uh, as Real Batiste have kind of fallen short when the, when the rubber hit the road this season. Um, and then some of the other names that have been thrown out, people keep mentioning Pochettino for Tottenham, but A, that's going to be very expensive. Uh, um, the owner, Levy, very rarely lets... Uh, lets things, you know, he very rarely gets poached to players and managers. And in the same way, Pochettino has said that he, you know, he'd rather be at Espanol or Real Madrid again. And uh, for me, I'm again being Espanol, but, uh, you know, and for me, I think that goes back to Barcelona's identity. You don't want a guy who's saying that. And yeah, you can go back on things like that, but it, I'd feel uneasy about it. Uh, and then, yeah. then again, you leave the candidates of, of Xavi. Um, you know, as I said, as you said, Xavi's not really ready. Uh, just yet, and then even Tanhag for Ajax, he doesn't speak Spanish, and do you need a guy who speaks Spanish at the helm of Barcelona? You know, maybe not, but then that means his number two would have to be uh, not only fluent, but he would really be the the guy to get across the result. And does Barcelona have a a, a guy built for that kind of role? Uh, and then I I think for me the one that if you really are going back to its roots and ripping things uh clean, then maybe you look inward again and say you know while Pimienta wasn't able to guide the Barca B up to the Segunda division you know he's still a guy that's that's been at the club for so so many years and you'd expect that he's going to play the way that we're and I think I want to give the listeners credit in saying that when we say the Barcelona way I think our listeners understand what we're talking about I think they you know in in a very uh Croyfian way they understand what we're getting to and what we're alluding to and all those things so I think you know if if Pimienta would be promoted in that way, I think I would almost roll the dice and trust that more than I would bringing in an outsider where you just don't know and you might just get more of the same uh, with pragmatism and just being safe. Because Pimienta, if you go out, you want to go out at the top and you want to go out you know, with, with a club that you've always loved. Um, but I think that does lead us to the players a little bit, Frances. Uh, and for as much as we can trash Jordi Alba for his performance, I don't see anybody coming in and dislodging him and you know there are certain things where guys Ter Stegen he's the starter next season you know Messi's not going anywhere though we did have a question about Messi potentially not being the captain next year but I don't know about that I think Messi is going to be captain as long as he wants to be uh but the guys behind him the other three captains I think that's something to keep an eye on um and whether or not this I mean the narrative's completely changed with this loss as well in, in the form of PK where PK had 
he was sparkling. He was terrific all season long, and I don't even think yesterday he was as bad as people said he was. But for PK, does this is this going to make him question certain things about his own career? Uh, could he be out sooner than we think he is? And is that going to change the timetable? Maybe when TG does get sold, if PK is planning on retiring even this summer or next year. Um, and, and then those are big questions to ask where Rakitic, as you said, he was getting a lot of hate all season long on, or for years now on social media. And yet we kind of did finally turn around to him with, with the treble insight. We kind of, I think not only, I mean, I was never really harsh on Rakitic the way that some were online, but I think even those online who were harsh on him recognize the role that he played, the ways that he assisted and, and helped Busquets, you know, kind of re- recycle in the fountain of youth and the way those two built such a defensive block and made Barcelona's defense uh, with the back where they have and the goalkeeper, it helped make that foundation of what they were defensively, which was, you know, unbelievable all season long. I don't want to, again, take away how good this team was all season long. And, you know, lex- next year you can expect that it's going to be more of the same with for, for Rakitic. I mean, even Busquets, as I've mentioned, you know, he he's just 3-0, you know, it, it's not like he's you know, completely old or broken. Uh, and yes, there are a lot of minutes on his legs, but, uh, you know, Busquets is not completely over the hill yet. And you go down the list, and I'm wondering which players you see in and out of the club this summer. I, I don't know if you're going to see the mass exodus we expect, but Coutinho, even if you have to sell him on for 40 or 50 million, I don't see how Coutinho, and this, it, and it stinks because Frances, to make Coutinho the scapegoat for this is completely and totally and utterly unfair. But unfortunately, at a club like Barcelona, just way, just the way that I said Valverde is going to be a scapegoat in this, I think Coutinho is another scapegoat in this where I don't know how he continues at the club. Now, my other question is, Frances, who are the other scapegoats here? And, you know, is it even possible that they're able to go out on the market and say you scapegoat Luis Suarez? What are you going to replace him with? Uh, just like a coach, I don't know if there's a, a long list of, of terrific replacements that you could possibly find and bring to the club for amount of money. Because again, how are you going to sign or how are you going to sell players on to make that revenue? It's a very difficult one. And um, it's also something that my mind is not quite ready to process just yet. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree. Hearing what you're saying about all of the different names. And I'm thinking, I'm going to say something clever now, but I, I just can't process it. You know, we should be in the Champions League final and we shouldn't even have to be talking <laughs> yeah. about this, you know? Right. Like the whole of the season, you know, it's, been, it's not been amazing in terms of some players sometimes, but overall, he's been very consistent. And yesterday, I'm still I'm still in shock, you know? I, I can't really be thinking ahead to the summer because these players, until yesterday, right before kickoff, they had a full trust, they had a full confidence and they just had a mental block like I probably am having now, and they had last year, and everything went pear-shaped. I mean, so I'm just going to say what I would have said before the game because I just can't process anything before that. I'm sorry. I cannot process anything after that. I think Umtiti, based on his skill, but based on the fact that he hasn't been consistent and hopefully the fact that the league joins us, then I think Umtiti should be sold. Um, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but I think Barca, for once, need to learn to make money. And Umtiti has got a high cachet, obviously World Cup winner, and I think we could make money there. So Lengle has been better than him all season, until yesterday, obviously. But um, I think that's someone that, that could be offloaded. I think Coutinho absolutely has to go. Um, I've seen it over the years. I've seen it with Jordi Cruyff when he was a player, or with a different caliber of player. But um, Bojan, I've seen it with Coutinho. 
I've seen it with Andre Gomez. If the Cardinal doesn't like you for whatever reason, and normally it's lack of trying, sometimes because you're very expensive and then you don't try hard enough. But the Camp Nou are not going to forget Coutinho for the silencing um, that happened before and obviously all the nonsense that the fans have had to put up with all season from his not trying, not adapting and not leaving everything on the pitch. You know, someone like Arturo Vidal, for example, right? That's the contrast. So at the beginning of the season, didn't really have the trust of the manager, got really annoyed and then through hard work, through determination, through putting his balls on the floor every single time, he managed to find his way into not just the top 14, but even the starting 11. And that is what you want. That's the why the Camino love the guy. You know, he's not the most skilled. He's skilled enough, obviously. He's not the most skilled, but he's going that step further. Puyol had it. Luis Enrique had it as a player. Risto Stoikov had it as a player. And Arturo Vidal does have it, you know. And, and check out the three names that I just said. He's at that, at that stage, at that caliber. And, you know, he wasn't born in La Masia. You don't have to be pure and Catalan, you know. You just have to prove that you want it more than the others. And Coutinho just doesn't have it. Um, I think his, his attitude towards the Camp Nou stank. I was fuming at the time and still fuming today. And then after seeing his cone performance yesterday, absolutely the guy has to go. Um, then the problem is how much you get for him and who wants him. But now nah, his time is finished. And then Rakitic. Uh, I think Rakitic has been key to Barca for a lot of seasons. But if it's true that Paris Saint-Germain wants to give us the 70, 80 million that has been rumored, given at his age, given the fact that the uh, young is joining us, I think Rakitic has to make way because next season he shouldn't really be a starter, Rakitic. And you're not going to have such an expensive or potentially um, fan-producing um, sub. So you, you just have to offload them. Um, that would be more minutes for Alanya, more minutes for the young and more minutes for hopefully Ricky Pulch and, and we can continue to grow. Um, I also want to mention Malcolm. Um, again, I haven't been following social media all year, but I know there's a lot of people. I know there are several listeners as well who really are keen on Malcolm. I'm sorry, guys, but Malcolm, in, in a Barca that's going to win the Champions League, Mal Malcolm should not be a starter. You know, Malcolm should not should not have a sniff of the starting eleven. He, he, he need, we need players that are better than that. You know, and as a super sub, we can have Abel Ruiz. We can have people from our own from our own system, people who understand, people who are going to be here long term. You know, to have a sub like Malcolm, sorry, the guy has to be sold as well. You know, and, and I know this is harsh, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but that's you know, I'm here to, to give my opinion. I think Malcolm is not a Barca caliber player, and it's not just the manager not trusting him. It's just we need someone who is better, and there has to be someone out there that we can, with all the money we can make from those four, if they are sold to, you know, top 10 European clubs, that's a lot of money to invest in someone who actually could lift the team to the next level, which is what we need, and obviously linked to all the manager conversation we had before. But I think that brings up with the Malcolm problem is that, you know, I've been following Abu Ruiz all year long, and he not only is he not taking that step he needed uh, with the Barcelona B, but he certainly now looks somehow just as far away from the first team as he did at the start of the year, if not more. And I, I think that also brings in the point about Malcolm that I think the argument is that there are times in the season, maybe not yesterday, but there are times in the season when Malcolm could have been utilized or put in the starting lineup and he wasn't. And that was what people are ruining. And again, that is the, the modern dilemma that we have at Barcelona is that 
for all the minutes that we want to give to Pooj or give to Malcolm or or give to whoever uh, or Juan Miranda at the start of the year to be Jordi Alba's backup, the problem or even and then I think Vermusa Wagwe, as good as we've seen him, he's going to be another one on this list. Again, guy started in a World Cup for Senegal, started in a World Cup, played pretty well uh, as a teenager, and yet he was with the in the third division in Spain, and you know we wonder behind Roberto and Semedo being third on the depth chart, where is his future lie at Barcelona? But I think he's good enough to make the field. But that said, Barcelona are so result-driven at the moment. And you're right, something I think has to give. Either they play these young kids, the ones with promise, and allow them to develop and take your lumps, or you play the guys who are going to get you the result, and that's going to be Jordi Alba. If he does, While he doesn't have a backup, it's going to be Jordi Alba game in and game out every single time and then you deal with the ramifications of playing him in that manner at the end of the season. I, I think, you know, when we looked at Liverpool's bench, they didn't have Salah, they didn't have Firmino, and yet they did have the two teenagers on the bench, but again, that was out of complete necessity because even Naby Keita was injured. They had all these guys gone down, and then somehow, I mean, in the Premier League, it's a little easier, but Barcelona have no excuse. They have the money. That last season, the, the complaint was that Barcelona could only go 10 or 11 deep, and they didn't have 14 starters. And I've said it over and over and over again this year that after Dembele got hurt, Barcelona had 14 starters. And then they went down to 13 with his injury. Uh, and yet they had a little more depth. But basically they had the 11 starters that everybody completely trusted. And then three guys who came off the bench in basically every game. And that's not counting Elena. That's We know who it is. It's either Arthur or Vidal. It's either Roberto or Semedo. And then it was Coutinho, who I, I don't even know if you put him on that list of the 14 guys that are trusted. But it was a guy who was trusted by Valverde. So it was Coutinho slash Dembele. And that was the 14 guys that was going to get rotated, was going to get trusted in those big matches. And if it, it was not that time, it was going to be a wholesale change. So when you did see Alenia get starts, it was because Puj was right next to him. So when I saw the Huesca match, when I saw the Celta de Vigo match, the things that you think about are that when you had Umtiti getting to play, he was playing alongside a teenager in Todibo. We have yet to see, this is, and this is, I think, one of the final points we'll, we'll leave this on, that the state of the club Barcelona is in, and this, is, this kind of sums it all up, is that Ricky Puj, for all the time we did see him in the Copa del Rey and those two matches here at the end of the season in the Liga, we have not seen Ricky Puj play with Lionel Messi. And I think that is so, so telling to what we're trying to get to. Puj plays the matches that don't matter, and Messi plays the ones, basically all the others, all the ones that do matter in the Liga. And then even when they need him in Copa del Rey, he comes in on, on, on his white horse. And, you know, can a club operate like that? Well, yes, of course, even in England, in the FA Cup, in the in the in all the different cups they have over there, the Carabao Cup, all, all that, that's when they play the teenagers, that's when they really do play their backups. But then again, you have two teenagers in Woodburn and Brewster on the bench in a Champions League game. Why are they there? Is it because they played certain Premier League games? Is it because they're a little bit trusted by Klopp? But I think that's the whole point that Barcelona are in. They either have, we're gonna we're, we're trying to get a result here, here's our, here's our 11 to 14 guys, and then, okay, this is a match that we can take a few chances, but we're going to have all these subs play together. So instead of Malcolm playing alongside Luis Suarez and Rakitic and Busquets, Malcolm is going to have a midfield who has never played together before. And I think that's what Barcelona's in right now, where it's either we have players who you trust or players who you don't, instead of a full squad where there are chances taken and opportunities. And if that means taking our lumps, that's the one question I have to ask everybody. Are you willing to take your lumps 
for a squad that is going to try to excite you with your eyes and try to excite you, uh, excite you aesthetically? Or do you want the results? Do you want everything? I don't know how possible that is. You know, and they made it to the Champions League final, which is just still in itself an incredible achievement. But unfortunately, the way they crashed out and the way that Barcelona have the best player in the world, it's not Ronaldo. It's never been Ronaldo. It's always been Lionel Messi. Because they have Lionel Messi, the Champions League final or bust is what makes this a success or a failure. But still, they got to the Champions League final. So do you want more of the same or do you want to take a chance? I think that's the thing that we all have to ask ourselves as we're watching and as we're hoping and as we're looking what happened next season. Yep, agreed. <laughs> I know. I've, how often, how often, Frances, do I get that? Do I get? I don't often get that wound up, right? I, I think uh, it, it takes a thing like this to get me that wound up. Well, unfortunately, it happened. So, this is the podcast. This is your way to share your thoughts, and you just did that. And I agree to a teeth with everything you just said. Yeah, well, I, re- I really appreciate that, Frances, and I appreciate all the listeners for being with us uh, on this journey. Again, I don't think, Frances, I think we did a pretty okay job of 45 minutes of kind of pouring our hearts out, being embarrassed, feeling failured, uh, and, and feeling what we felt, but in the same respect, again, trying to question uh, some of the things that the club are going to have to figure out moving forward. Uh, again, I think with Frankie de Jong, of everything I've seen, I'm excited for him. If they get the licked, I'm so excited for that. Uh, we look at Puj, we look at Alenya, you know, I, I think they're... For me, there are so many things to be happy about. Uh, not to say that the season is over. We're going to still have our season referendums, and we're still going to have that those pods coming out. But uh, for all for all intents and purposes, I think the feeling that our listeners have is that the season is done with, even though the Copa del Rey has to be played, even all the other things that I mentioned uh, still left, even the La Liga matches left on the docket. I'm still going to watch everything. I think as, as hurt as everyone is, as much as everyone tweets out that they're broken and done with the club, I think a lot of most fans are still going to watch. Uh, and that's what we're going to do. But then I, I think it's going to be an exciting offseason to see what happens next. And in these times of darkness, it's those big, uh, it's those important clubs. And, and the ones that, that the reason we love this club is because they do bounce back. Uh, and, you know, Messi's still on the team next year. And for all the pain that people felt that he's dealing with, that, you know, if him trying to look at his club, I mean, his club career and for all the records and everything and all the trophies that he still has to look back at it and see that there's been failure in the last few seasons. Messi's still on the club, uh, on the on the team next year. Um, and, you know, I, we had a, didn't even question him whether or not he should leave the club or whatever, but that's obviously utter nonsense. Messi will be at Barcelona last, uh, next year, and so will we. And with Messi in, in tow, I think I'm excited for what could happen, and I think we can hypothesize about that for many, many weeks. But for for this, it was just a referendum. And Francesca, again, I'm really happy you were able to join me for this. Yeah, for sure. Um, That's one thing that I sort of slightly disagree there. I think the season's not finished. I think La Copa del Rey actually does matter. Yeah. I think after the debacle in England, it's a very important thing to do now. I mean, just not just, but winning La Liga in a season is okay. But winning the domestic double is, is significant. So I think the Copa del Rey final has just become much more important and, and could be, in a way, used as a redemption ticket. Um, no one is ever, you know, 20 years from now, we'll still be thinking about yesterday. You know, No one is ever going to forget the disaster in Liverpool. But the domestic double would be a consolation prize that, you know, in my eyes, would be an acceptable way to the season. I know a lot of people want to want me to say it would be failure blah 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 but a domestic double is okay you know it's just we were so close to the Champions League final that it, it hurts and it will hurt forever but we need to 
we need to be a bit more analytical and uh, yeah can't really say any more than that yep well we'll be back next week to continue to talk about those things uh again there's still games to be played still matches in the season uh and then it's going to be a lot of fun to try to answer some of those questions uh believe it or not i mean that's what we do we love playing football manager and seeing what kind of players could come into the club and now with this kind of thing we might see changes we might see more changes and i believe that there will be but again thanks to you so much for you know after the results of yesterday for tuning in again you can tap in your app check out the show notes to subscribe to the show you can find us on social media too. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 for me, and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group for deeper dives and discussions, and you can help us out on Patreon to continue making these shows. That's where I do the quick take match reviews, uh, and this was the only match since December that I did not do a match review for because again the hurt was still uh, was was still so heavy on my heart. But that's at tbpod.link backslash Patreon. Again, that also is. You hear it. We don't have ads. We don't have uh, anything like that. We might have things in the works there, but um, until any of that would ever happen, Patreon's the only way that this continues. And I thank my Patreon so much for all they've done for us all season long as well. We're also on YouTube now, and I have one I'm working on this week that is was going to be what it was going to be uh, last week when Barcelona were potentially in the Champions League final. But now I'm pivoting. It's going to be a new video that you're going to want to watch as well. You can see that uh, in, in the coming days on YouTube at the Barcelona Pod. You can also check us out there and hit that subscription button, please. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. For myself and Frances Tomas, until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Oh, Frances, I did miss it, though. Forza Barca. <laughs> Forza. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.